Our Bible is open this morning to the 10th chapter of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10. If uh, you were on trial for a crime that you did not commit, the most beautiful words that you could hear from a judge and jury would be the words, not guilty. Even more wonderful than being declared not guilty by a human court of law is being declared justified by our sovereign and holy God. God can't declare us not guilty because we are guilty. We're guilty of all manner of sin against God and against others and against the world as a whole. God can't declare us not guilty. But the great thing, the great theme of the book of Romans is that God has made it possible to justify us freely by his grace as we call upon the Lord Jesus in faith. To be justified means to be declared righteous, to be declared right in the eyes of God. For God to say, you're all right. You're right. You're what you need to be to have fellowship with me. You're what you need to be in order to spend eternity with me in heaven. It is of the utmost importance that we be declared righteous by God. We find that it's impossible for us to ever make ourselves righteous in God's eyes. Men try to make themselves righteous through their own rituals and their own good works. However, Romans chapter 10 and verse 3 says that they are ignorant of God's righteousness. God's righteousness is a perfect righteousness. He is absolutely perfect. And we find that we, we can't ever achieve that standard on our own. But thank God, his plan, his plan is to give us that absolute, perfect Christ righteousness as a gift, because Jesus paid the penalty for our sins on Calvary's cross. The old rugged cross really does make a difference, makes a difference in our lives, makes a difference in our standing before God. God's plan is to justify us by faith alone as we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way of salvation for all men. That's the one way that God has provided. There is no other plan. In Romans chapter 10, verses 11 to 21, the Apostle Paul reminds us once again of three important facts about the universality of God's justification by faith program. God has no plan B. Follow along as I read, starting at verse 11 here in Romans chapter 10. It just has stated that we need to... Uh, confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that Christ has been raised from the dead. And then it goes on in verse 11. It says, For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him of whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom, have they, whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach 
unless they're sent. As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they've not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will anger you by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and a contrary people. God has no plan B. Justification by faith is available to all. That's everybody in the entire world. Everybody that's ever lived in this world has justification by faith available to them. It needs to be announced to all. Uh, the message has to be heard. The message has to be gotten out. The sad thing is, justification by faith is not accepted by all and will not be accepted by all. But as we, we look at this passage, the first thing that stands out is the fact that justification by faith is available to all. There is a universal promise given right here in Romans chapter 10. And uh, in, in verse 11 it says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, or whosoever, in the old King James Version. And it says there, there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. Earlier in Romans we read that there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile when it comes to condemnation. Back in Romans chapter 3, it says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That there's none righteous in God's eyes, whether Jew, Gentile, old, young, black, white, rich, poor. That there's no distinction. All stand condemned before a righteous and holy God. But thank the Lord, there also is no distinction when it comes to salvation. God's way of salvation is the same for all men. Jew or Gentile, American or Asian or whatever, God's way of salvation is always the same. Old Testament, New Testament, God's way of salvation has always been the same. It's always justification by faith through God's grace. We find even Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. David believed God and was declared righteous by God. It's not salvation by works in the Old Testament, then salvation by, by grace through faith in the New Testament. It's always the same. Uh, a universal promise to all men, we can be justified in the eyes of God and right in God's eyes when we call upon Him in faith. We find the scope of the promise is whosoever. The condition is belief. Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. What's it talking about? It's talking about Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Believing He is who He claimed to be. Believing He's Lord. Believing He's God. As we read in the previous verses, believing that He was raised from the dead to prove that He is who He claimed to be. To prove that His sacrifice was sufficient. That's the condition. we got to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to put our trust in Him. 
And the result is no shame. And no shame. No shame before God. You know, one of the sad things that comes along with, with, with doing wrong is the shame. When, when, when people find out. When you're a child and you do something wrong and mom and dad find out, you're ashamed. Sometimes you're also afraid you're going to get a spanking as well. But as, as you get older, and spankings are a thing of the past, still, you don't want your parents to find out because there's shame connected with it. If a husband does something wrong, there's the shame before his wife, the shame before his children. Anybody that does wrong, one of the horrible things is, is having to stand before others with other people knowing what we've done, who we are, how far short we've fallen from the standard, and how sinful we really are. And the thing of it is, God knows that about all of us. He knows us better than anybody else does. And the horrible thing would be to have to stand before God in shame. And left to our own devices, left to ourselves, every one of us would stand before God in shame, wouldn't we? Well, we'd have to hang our heads. There would, there would be no excuse for the things we've done wrong in our lives. There, there would be no reasoning that, that could explain away the shortcomings of, of messing up the life that he's given to us and, and not obeying him all the time in every way. There'd be shame. But here's a great promise, a tremendous promise. If we'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't have to stand before God in shame. Isn't that great? We can stand before God forgiven, cleansed, righteous, pure, loved, uh, secure for all of eternity. What a promise. What a great promise. And we only get that when we call on the Lord Jesus Christ in faith. Justification comes by faith alone. Now, man thinks he can do it by keeping some list of rules and regulations, whether it's the Old Testament law or whether it's some list of rules that some man comes up with, he thinks by doing certain things he's going to make himself right with God. There's just a problem. When it comes to the law, the law was only for the Jews. The law was given to Israel in the Old Testament. The law was based on works. The law said, do these things and you'll be blessed. Don't do these things and you'll be cursed. Well, that's easy enough, isn't it? The only problem is you can't do all those things. Some of the Jews thought they did pretty good. And when they thought they did pretty good, then they became self-righteous because basically they looked around at what other people were doing, and they were doing better than other people. We do the same thing sometimes, don't we? We look at a drug addict or we look at somebody that's in prison, and we think, well, man, I'm not as bad as they are, and and self-righteousness can slip in. And when self-righteousness slips in, we find that pride comes along with it. And we find that law-righteousness produces self-righteousness. It's, it's a matter of obeying God, but you can't fully obey God. And the big problem is with being trying to be saved by works and keeping a list of rules and regulations is it doesn't save, does it? If, if I gave you a list of ten things and said, okay, you do these ten things, and you go to heaven, we say, okay, great, I'll just do those ten things. The only problem is you can't do them perfectly. In fact, 
God gave ten things, didn't he? Carved them on tablets of stone with his own fingers. And we find that the Jews and nobody could perfectly keep those things, especially as Jesus explains later on when he comes to the earth, that it's not just a matter of doing those things outwardly, but it's a matter of the heart. It's not just a matter of not murdering my brother with a knife, but he says, if you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. Look on a woman to lust, and you're guilty of adultery in your heart. So law is right, law right just doesn't work. It's not something that can happen. People practice this when they're, they're ignorant of the righteousness of God. They, they can do better than others, but they can't do good enough to please God. On the other hand, the faith righteousness that we have described in Romans, that we have talked about here in, in Romans chapter 10, is for whosoever, not just for the Jews, not just for Americans, not just for Baptists, it's for, for whoever, whosoever will put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a faith that, that, that come, it's a righteousness that comes by faith alone. It's, it's God's righteousness. It's a righteousness that he gives to us. In fact, it's Jesus' righteousness. You know you have to be as righteous as Jesus in order to get into heaven? You say, well, how, how can we do that? We can't live a perfect life. And we can't live a perfect life, but we can be given that righteousness as a gift. And that's God's promise. You call upon Christ in faith and in repentance toward your sin, and you'll be given that righteousness as a gift. We get it when we call upon the Lord in worship and adoration and in faith. And, and faith righteousness brings salvation. It, it really works. It makes us right in God's eyes. It cleanses us. It saves us. It gives us the wonderful gift of eternal life. And the big dip, one of the big differences also between this law righteousness or works righteousness and faith righteousness is who gets the glory? Who gets the glory for you and me being righteous if our faith is in Jesus? God gets all the glory for that. He did it. Christ died for my sins. Christ cleanses my sins. He gets all the glory for it. Um, we're saved by grace through faith. It's, not a, it's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Nobody's going to be strutting around heaven talking about all the good things they did to get themselves there. You know what we're going to be talking about in heaven? We're going to be talking about how terrific Jesus is, that he allowed us to get to this wonderful place and gave himself on the cross so that we, we could. Then this wonderful gift, this wonderful gift of justification by grace through faith. It's, it's available to all because there, there's only one God. There's only one, one Lord. It says in verse 12, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek for the, the same Lord is over all and he's rich to all who call on him. Sometimes people have the idea that there, there, there's one God for this country, one God for another country, one God for this race, another God for another race. When the fact of the matter is, how many gods are there? There's one God, and he's Lord and sovereign over all. He's the one we're all going to stand before. He's the one we're all going to face. And he has made one way of salvation. He's made one way whereby we can be right with him. One way by which we can get into heaven because there's one God. 
and, and he makes the rules and it's, it's his heaven and, and it's him that we want to dwell with for all of eternity and he gives a universal invitation and the invitation is open to everyone verse 13 whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? saved saved from what? saved from bankruptcy? no saved from poor health? Not necessarily. Saved from what? Saved from an eternity in the lake of fire. Saved from hell. Saved to heaven. What a great promise. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord. Young, old, no matter what race, no matter where we live, there's one God, and he gives one invitation. He's provided one way of salvation, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's for every nation. It's for every people, and it's universal. It is for all. Great, great news. We can qualify. We can have that kind of justification. But in order to have that, in order to have that, that justification, in order to be righteous, in order to call upon the Lord, we find that that, that message of faith needs to be announced. You know, God's got, got a program here. A program of salvation and also a program of getting that message of salvation out it goes through the list here it first says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved but how are they going to call in whom and who in him and whom they have not believed how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach unless they're sent there's one Lord one God one program for salvation. Here it is. In order to be saved, you're going to be right with God. You're going to be forgiven all your sins. You're going to be made as righteous as Jesus. You're going to go to heaven. You're going to receive eternal life. What do you have to do? You've got to call on the Lord in faith. Well, we call on the Lord. Faith has to be the basis for that call. How are we going to call if we don't believe? You know, it's calling on the Lord to deliver us from our sins. It's calling upon God to forgive us. It's calling upon God to receive his wonderful gift of eternal life. You know, what a great thing. We can call on God. We can talk to the God of the universe. Aren't you glad for that? You know, we can't talk to the, the high political officials in our country. Uh, we can't talk to people in high places, but we can talk to the person in the highest place. We can talk to God. And we can call upon him. And as we call upon him, in order to, to do that, we need to be believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And in, in order for men to believe who Jesus is and believe what Jesus did for us, you've got to hear about it, right? In order to believe that Jesus is the Savior that God provided, that message needs to be needs to be given it needs to be it needs to be heard it says how's somebody gonna believe if they've never heard and and how are they gonna hear if there's no preacher now when it uses the term preacher here it's not just talking uh, very narrowly about a man standing behind a pulpit preaching but the term preach means to declare to, to give a message, to pass along a message. And in fact, 
everybody here can be a preacher. We all can have the great privilege of sharing the good news. We all can do that. And it says, how can, how can a, there be a preacher unless somebody's sent? Well, there, there's kind of a, a progression here, right? You've got to call. Before you can call, you've got to believe. You've got to have faith in Christ. In order to have faith in Christ, you've got to hear. In order for you to hear, somebody's got to tell you about that. And in order for somebody to tell you about that, they need to be sent. I'm so thankful for those that, that told me about Jesus. You got some people in your life that told you about Jesus? I'm thankful for parents and, and a couple of grandmas that told me about Jesus and how much he loved me and what he did for me on Calvary's cross. I'm thankful for some Sunday school teachers along the way. I'm thankful for a pastor named Clausen, William Clausen, back in, in Park Baptist Church in McKeesport, Pennsylvania. And he told me week after week after week, Jesus died for my sins. And all I had to do in order to be forgiven was to repent of my sin and put my trust in Christ. I am so thankful for those people that told me about Jesus Christ. How about you? Got some people who told you about Christ? Told you that you couldn't be good enough to get into heaven on your own? but that Christ was good enough for both of you. And all you had to do was put your trust in Christ, repent of your sin, and make Christ your Savior. And then you'd receive the gift of eternal life, forgiveness of sin. You got any faces coming to mind here? Got any people that are coming across your path? Now, maybe there's somebody here that hadn't heard this before. You see, the, the common way of thinking is generally, you do good, you go to heaven. You do the best you can, and you'll make it into heaven. You just be sincere and do the best you can, and, and you're going to make it. Well, there's just one problem with that common belief. What is it? It's not true. It's not true. Because we could never be good enough. How good would you have to be in order to get into heaven on your own? Only perfect. Only no sins at all. Anybody here qualify? I don't think so. Put your hand down. You just committed pride when you put your hand up there. Nobody qualifies. Nobody does. We can't do it on our own. But Christ, He cleanses us. Christ, He provides forgiveness for us. And I'm so thankful for people that told me about Jesus. People that modeled Christ-likeness in front of me. So it's a great progression here. How shall they hear without a preacher? How should they preach unless they're sent? How should they preach unless they're sent? Who's qualified? Who's qualified to, to give this message out? Who's qualified to tell people about Jesus? Who is sent? All of us. All of us. If you know Christ as Savior... You're qualified, and you are sent. We've got the Great Commission given to us in Matthew 28. What's it say? We need to go into all the world. We need to preach the gospel. We need to make disciples of all nations. We need to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we need to continue to teach them to observe the things that Christ has told us to do. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. 
Well, we get the commission. The, the apostles are given the commission, and it comes on down to us uh, to be Christ's witnesses. What's a witness do? A witness tells what he knows. What's a witness for Christ do? He tells what he knows about Jesus, right? And the apostles were to be the witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where else? The uttermost parts of the world. Guess what? We're to be Christ's witnesses in Carroll and Tuscola County and Michigan and the United States and the uttermost parts of the world. We got a worldwide responsibility as individuals and as a, a church. We're sent. We're sent. Some are sent to foreign fields. God gives them the opportunity to do that, to go to the foreign mission field. God sends us all to preach in some place or another. My mom was a great preacher. You know where her pulpit was? The kitchen sink. She shared a lot about Jesus when I had to help her dry dishes. Can you imagine that? Oldest son in the family. And one of my responsibilities was to help my mother dry the dishes. You know what? I wouldn't trade anything for that time that I had with my mother there. Now, when my brother and sister came along, they got to do the same thing as well. We took turns doing it. But she did a lot of preaching there. Not pounding her fist on, the, on pots and pans or anything like that, but, but just telling me about the Lord. Telling me about how, what the Lord had done in her life. Telling me about how much God loved me. And, and it was special. You know, there's all kinds of places that preaching goes on. Preaching goes on in coffee shops. Preaching take place in a duck blind or a deer stand. Preaching can take place in a factory. Preaching can take place in a, a schoolroom. By the way, that is not unconstitutional to tell people about Jesus in a public school. It's not. It's not. And even if it becomes unconstitutional, it's not ungodly. God still wants us to do it. And sometimes there comes a place where we need to, like the apostles, decide we're going to obey God rather than man. And when somebody tells us to shut up about Jesus... We need to obey God rather than man. Now, if you're, if you're talking to people about Christ at work, do your job. Don't steal time from your boss in order to tell people of Christ. You'd be, you be the best worker that there is in that place, but you also take opportunities to share Christ with people as you have the opportunity to talk to them. You know, God sent me to preach the gospel of peace and bring good tidings. And the sad thing is, as it goes on in this passage, we find that not all are going to accept it. It says not everyone believes. Isaiah says, who's believed our report? Not everybody's responded. A good share of the Israelites had not responded to the truth about Jesus. They, they rejected the Messiah and they, they crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. Some disobeyed. So, so God diverted away from the Israel and began to work through and with the Gentiles. Although it was always God's plan to reach out to all the nations. It was never Israel only. It was always Israel was to be a sample nation for the other nation. It was always Israel was to be a blessing to the other nation. When God made the covenant with Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless your descendants and I'm going to make you a blessing to the other nations. I'm going to bless all the nations through your seed, especially through the Lord Jesus. He had all the nations in view. We find Isaiah's quoted here. We find this that uh, the psalmist is quoted here in, in this passage of Scripture as, as pointing out to the fact 
God always had the other nations in view. The gospel's always been for everybody. God, it's God's desire to bring all nations to himself. And Israel's on the shelf at this point because they, they didn't do what they, fulfill the responsibility that they had. They had revelation from God in nature. They had revelation from God in his word. But most of the Jews had rejected the gospel. So does that mean the gospel's not true then? If most Jewish people reject Jesus as the Messiah, does that mean he's not the Messiah and we shouldn't be telling people that Christ is the Savior and the Messiah? No, that doesn't mean that at all. doesn't mean that at all. It's all it was all part of God's plan. And we find that, that God was devoted to Israel, and he still has a devotion to Israel. He's working primarily through the church right now. One of these days, Israel is going to be brought back into focus again. But the key thing is, we look not to Israel for salvation. Where do we look? We look to Jesus. Christ is the way of salvation. Not, not one nation, not one church, not one religion, but Jesus Christ is the way of salvation. You know, God has no plan B for saving people. There's one plan, and this is it. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you're here this morning and you're trusting in anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ to provide forgiveness of sins for you and get you into heaven, you're missing the boat. If you're trusting in being a Baptist to get you into heaven, it's not, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. If you're trusting in being a Catholic, if you're trusting in being a Methodist, it's not going to work. The only way we get into heaven is by repenting of our sin and taking Jesus Christ to be our own personal Lord and Savior. God's got one way. That's it. Aren't you glad he provided one way? That's all there is. One plan for saving people. He also has one plan for getting the message of the gospel out. You know what it is? <laughs> you and me. That's the plan. There is no other. He's not going to send angels to declare the gospel. Uh, you want your neighbor to hear about Christ? God's sending you to him. Share Christ with him. You want your brother to hear about Christ? Tell him about Jesus. We're it, folks. There is no plan B. There's no plan B when it comes to God's program for salvation. It's Jesus only. And there's no plan B when it comes for God's plan and program for getting the message out. It's you and me. Israel failed. They, they, they were part of God's plan for the, their dispensation. And they, they messed up. They're on the shelf. What about us? Are we going to fail or are we going to carry out the job that God gives us to do? I pray we'll be faithful as plan A, the only plan that there is, and sharing the gospel with people that Christ brings across our path, going out of our way to, to interact with people and tell them about Jesus and model Christ. Tell them about the cross, that old rugged cross that makes such a difference in the lives of people that trust in Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you for the one way of salvation that you have provided through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he was willing to leave heaven behind in order to give his life on Calvary, to bear our sins so that we could be forgiven. Father, thank you for giving us the privilege, the opportunity 
to tell other people about Jesus. Father, help us to do that. Help us to pray for opportunities, to look for opportunities, to take those opportunities in so many different ways, but basically just plain old telling people about Jesus, who he is, what he's done for us, what he wants to do for us. And God, I pray especially if there's anybody here this morning that's never trusted Christ as Savior, that they see today that there is no other way and even at this moment, they might pray and tell Christ that they want him to be their Savior and they want to live for him. Father, I pray that each one of us as Christians might commit ourselves anew to being the, the messengers, the ones sent, the ones who would preach so that people could hear. And as they hear the gospel, that they could believe. And as they believe, they can call upon the Lord. Father, they're responsible once they've heard. But we're responsible to make sure that they hear the message of the cross. Help us to be faithful. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you sing together with me at Calvary?